fuck. Another week in the world of Dude, check out this song. And uh, this week we have a fantastic offering for everybody. And it's some sweet old soul music. Yeah, we uh, we we passed the soul era with not enough soul, uh, you know. As in like none? <laughs> I don't know. We kind of got a little bit into it, but nothing like direct soul music, soul music. So we gotta, we have to make sure the offering gets uh, dropped here. So we got a little Bobby Womack for y'all tonight. And if that name sounds familiar, we did mention him briefly in the Sam Cooke episode. Yep. And so I gotta be completely upfront with you. I've heard this name a hundred thousand times through my whole life, but uh I couldn't even put a face to the name till tonight, so uh, I'm I'm actually going into this completely blind, and I'm pretty excited about it. Pat did fall in love with him. He's like, oh, he's so dreamy. He is very dreamy. Uh, turns out I did know a couple of the songs that he had already done, though, so, you know, <laughs> I, I had heard him before, but I just didn't make the connection. Which happens. I mean, there's so much music out there, you can't know it all. Yeah, especially since like most of them are from like soundtracks and stuff. It's you know, yeah. it's a little harder to credit all the uh, artists properly in movies because you don't always watch to the end of the million credits to see who did each song and stuff. And so Bobby Womack was born on March fourth, nineteen forty four, in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh yeah, to Friendly and Naomi Womack. That's right. His dad's name was Friendly. His dad's name was Friendly? It's spelled Friendly anyway. If it's pronounced <laughs> differently, I don't know. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, who are we talking to in the neighborhood? Let's go over to Friendly Womack's house. Why? I don't know. I just got a good feeling about that guy. <laughs> he seems pretty friendly. Yeah, he <laughs> sounds quite nice. Yeah, there's something going on there. I can't quite put my finger on it. <laughs> and... Yeah, they grew up in the slums of Cleveland, and apparently they were so poor that the family would end up fishing pig snouts out of the local supermarket's trash. <laughs> specifically pig snouts. Appa because, that's what I found. Because that is specifically, the. It, it was probably like they went to the slaughterhouse and the snouts were what got thrown out that were meaty. Yeah, exactly. I, I get the logic behind it, but it's just so oddly specific, like, man... When I was a kid, we went back and dug for trash, and we ate pig snouts. Like, who's throwing away just enough <laughs> pig snouts for a family to survive on? Apparently, they ate a lot of pig back then. Yeah, I mean, especially that's, in the Cleveland area. Yeah, I would assume so. Man, you don't know rough till you've had a pig snout sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> till you went dumpster diving for a pig snout. Fuck a sandwich. <laughs> I remember when my mom would throw that on the skillet. Man, pig snout frying is so good. Yeah, you just you smell that pig snout just just sizzling away. I mean, I, I I'm sure pig snout is still pretty good. I don't know. Like most of the other parts of the pig are delicious, so why would the snout not be good? But 
I imagine it's one of those things where people are like, no, not the fucking nose. <laughs> no. Gross. Oh, nose. Oh, <laughs> nose. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, my puns are going to get canceled. So Bobby Womack would have a quote about growing up in Cleveland, and he'd say, the neighborhood was so ghetto that we didn't bother the rats, they didn't bother us. They walked past and hollered, how you doing, man? <laughs> That's fucking awesome. And so he was the third child of five siblings, all boys. Friendly Junior, not, not you know, not as friendly. Friendly as, Junior? Yeah, not as friendly as Friendly Senior, <laughs> obviously. He's just, yeah, he's just as friendly, he's just not as big. <laughs> and then we got Curtis and Bobby. Oh, yeah, they, thankfully they were like, all right, I'll let you name him Friendly Junior, but the rest of the kids are getting normal ass names. <laughs> then we got Harry and Cecil. Oh man, I was I was joking with the Cecil part. I mean, I guess Cecil isn't too weird. Yeah, Cecil seems like a proper British name or something though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, I'm Cecil H. Twiddleworth. <laughs> I'm from the slums of Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's a he's a rogue British monarchy. He's, he's uh, a proper gentleman, yeah. is what he is. Disgraced gentleman living in Cleveland. And so of course, his upbringing was strict and religious. Oh, yeah, as, as all the best uh, upbringings really are. Sounds very friendly, right? <laughs> yeah, it makes, you, <laughs> makes me feel friendly right away. <laughs> but I guess friendly did encourage them to play music, although they were prohibited from touching his guitar. Oh, of course. But Bobby Womack would play it anyway. Hell, yes, he would. <laughs> He'd teach himself how to play. One day he kind of broke a string. Uh-oh. And to conceal the damage, he thought he'd fix it with a shoelace. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the logic of a child. Yes, of course. (laughs) Could you imagine coming home and be like, did somebody touch my guitar? No, No, Dad, why? Nobody touched your guitar. Are you sure you hold it up? He's got a fucking shoelace for the E-string. All right, kids, show me your shoes. Who's missing one? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, even better, he probably one of his shoelaces. <laughs> Dad, it was you. These were from my good boots. I'll show you friendly. <laughs> I'm unfriendly tonight. And so, of course, you know, his father came home from work, you know, working at the steel mill. Nice, you know. Easy day at the steel mill, of course, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Le- leisurely job at the steel mill. Nothing dangerous going on there. Of course, he discovered the guitar. <laughs> His ruse did not work. Yeah, the ruse. Uh, yeah, well, I mean. <laughs> the ruse is up. <laughs> I think even a blind man would figure it out after a minute. So, uh. <laughs> Ray Charles could have figured that one yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, probably pretty quick, actually, because he's a very competent musician. Right. But <laughs> and he it's also a shoelace. <laughs> he also played piano. He Maybe he would have been like, does this belong here? <laughs> <laughs> That's something I learned today. I never, <laughs> never knew I never knew had a shoelace in it. <laughs> Nobody told me that. Oh, that's that's not a that's not a good joke, Ian. <sighs> I'm a horrible person. And so, you know, Friendly was prepared to beat Bobby. But then he told him if he could play well enough, he'd let it slide. <laughs> so what he was like, I'm going to change this string and uh, then you're going to play me a song. And if I don't like the song, I'm going to whip that ass. 
Well, he didn't change the string. He just was like, you better play me a song with this now. You better play me a song or I'm going to whip you with the string. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to choke you out with the string. (laughs) You don't get the lace. You get the the broken uh, guitar (laughs) string. Anyways, we're probably implying a lot more that's actually here. Well, Bobby would say about this, even with one string short, I played classical music, soul, country, and western, and rock and roll. I played my ass off. Every lick I knew, and then some I didn't. <laughs> so I, it sounds like he's already pretty good at this time. So that that would be a pretty fucking hilarious thing as the dad. Like, play me a song. How long have you, you touched my guitar? Yeah, dad. Diddly, 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 dad diddly, diddly. I, I've been touching your guitar for 12 years. <laughs> play me a song. Okay. Dad's just got his arms crossed, slowly nodding. Yes, this is acceptable. (laughs) Throw some arpeggios in there. (laughs) I can't even do that. You missed that 13th there. (laughs) (laughs) You only get one slapping today. Exactly. I'm going to tan that hide if you miss that arpeggio again. <laughs> and so, of course, him and all of his brothers would start a gospel band. <laughs> Damn right they would. With the totally original name of the Womack Brothers. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, I mean, at least it's fitting and true. And actually, in 1956, their father would get them an opening spot for the Soulsters. Oh, shit. And you remember who's on the Soulsters. Oh, yeah. A little Decots alumni, Sam Cook. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's good, too. It's, uh, it's, that would be such a cool concert. That's another Time Machine concert, if I know a Time Machine concert. Well, and, you know, Sam was still singing gospel music at this time. And Womack would say about this era, we were so sincere, we thought singing anything else was the way to hell. Okay, I take that back. It's no longer a time machine uh, worthy concert. <laughs> that sounds terrible. I'm sure the music was great, but I didn't even bother looking it up. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I went straight to a secular music. Yep. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, brother. Well, and so Sam Cook would end up befriending Bobby Womack and the rest of the brothers, but really Bobby Womack, and he would kind of start convincing them to, you know. Get on his SAR label and, you know, maybe start playing some secular music. Oh, shit. This is, you know, he's really crossing boundaries here. I'm going to go sing about not God. And, you know, his dad's like crossing his arms like, I swear to God, I will be unfriendly to you right now. (laughs) You have no idea. I'm going to be so unfriendly (laughs) in a minute. If you sing one song that doesn't have the word God in it, you're getting unfriendly. Well, and so he would eventually change the name of the Womack brothers to like the Valentinos. Yeah, that's uh, we heard some of those jams. They were good. Yeah. And Cook would even offer Womack a job as like a backup guitarist for him, you know, so he'd take him on the road. So, you know, of course, who's going to turn this shit down? So he drops out of school. Hell yeah. Was Was he one of the vocalists for the Valentinos as well, or did he just play guitar? Yes, he was. They would like trade off but like the song we listened to that was really awesome yeah 
That was him. Because they do have a lot of that almost acapella theme, and it so, it seems really weird in my mind's eye to for those anyone in the doing the like the the heavy vocalization to also well, be playing guitar. It's like really like almost doo wop oriented, yeah. but like the the music's better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not <laughs> like that do not that doo wop's bad, but it's I it's more skillful because it's it's clearly has multiple angles and there's instrumentation. Well, doo wop is strictly like vocal yeah. oriented, where this. Definitely put a much heavier emphasis on the music itself. And still required you to be doo-wop level vocalist as well. Right. Well, and so when Bobby decided to go tell his father that, you know, he wanted to play secular music. His dad said no. His dad said he'd face eternal damnation if he joined <laughs> Cook. Damn it. That's not very friendly, bro. Bobby would say, Sam got me thinking. I remember telling my father, God blessed you with this voice and look at you, $100 a week in a steel mill. So I started to think, I hope the Lord understands that I can sing a different kind of music and do good deeds as well. Oh, shit. Now that sounds just like a wholesome dude right there. So he kicked Bobby and all of his brothers out of the house. Wait, not just Bobby, but all of his brothers? Oh, because his brothers are all in the band. Yep. So he just... kicked not just one of my kids out of the house every single one somebody comes over where are the kids i kicked them all out somehow i like get the feel and it sounded like this get your goddamn infernal damnation asses out of here oh my god go i won't have you sitting under my roof singing about (laughs) kissing girls you invited the devil in here and be gone <laughs> yeah, no, I could actually see that 100%. Right. And the fact that it's done by a man named Friendly just. <sighs> I know, right? All the funnier. So fantastic. So Cook would end up wiring them money so they could buy a car and drive out to his Los Angeles offices. <laughs> <laughs> Man, well, that's cool. Damn, so he's like, they're, they're like really connected to Sam Cook then, huh? Oh, yeah. Like Sam Cook. Especially Bobby Womack really took him under his wing. Yeah, because we like we glossed over it a little bit in this episode. It was I briefly touched it. Yeah, we briefly touched it, but I didn't realize they were like <laughs> Sam Cook sending him money and shit. That's awesome. Oh yeah, they were tight. You know, for a little while. Oh, did you did you just spoiler us? Well, I mean, if you listen to the Sam Cook episode, it's a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, Cook ended up sending them on the road. Backing uh, or uh, opening up for James Brown, you know, kind of like a boot camp style musical apprenticeship. That's fucking super awesome. James Brown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> boot camp style musical apprenticeship with James Brown. That whole sentence is confusing. Well, I mean, he was a hard working motherfucker. So if yeah. they're going to learn the ropes of the music business, who better to learn it from? Yeah, seriously. I mean, this was way before he found crack, so. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So he's, we're talking about, like, Frank Zappa levels of uh, of hard work there. Maybe not Maybe Zappa. not in output, but in terms of, like, playing shows, you know, definitely. Yeah. 
Because I mean, <laughs> that's always going to be our our like uh, our big bar that you have to cross. If you want to be like the ultimate hard worker, do you work as hard as Frank Zappa? Yes or no? <laughs> if you don't, then you're not like ultra crazy. <laughs> do you have sixty three albums in thirty years? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, over two albums a year, sir. And yeah, they would end up you know releasing some R and B hits with some modest modest success. Looking for love, and it's all over now. And in fact, it's all over now would actually kind of make you know Bobby a lot of money because he wrote it. And then, of course, our favorite band who loves to cover, cover black people, <laughs> the Rolling Stones. Damn it! <laughs> not not the animals. Yeah. So, I mean, first, I thought you were talking about the animals. No, but the yeah. animal steals from Bob Dylan specifically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the Rolling Stones are like, hey, all the people who. <laughs> Hey, all you stuff. black musicians in America who aren't making money, we're going to cover your song yeah, now. We're going to be really all up on your jam. Anyways, continue. And so this brings me to my first dude. Check out the song. Oh, yeah. The Valentinos looking for love. And it's all over now. And it's all over now. Super good. Such a good. Duh, the, that guitar riff in there. Damn, it's so cool. Yeah, and I, I swear I've heard uh, portions of that song somewhere else, too. I couldn't quite lock it down in my brain where it came from, but I've definitely heard that song before today. Maybe got sampled and put into, like, a rap song or something. It it could be something as simple as that. I, I Like I said, I, I honestly tried when we were listening to it to try and find where I uh, heard it from, but who knows. So probably not the best way to end 1964, with Sam Cooke tragically getting shot to death, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. I, I knew we were getting close. <laughs> Unfortunately, if, uh, if, <laughs> if you listen to this episode and didn't listen to the Sam Cooke episode, we tried not to spoil it too much, but uh, yeah, Sam Cooke gets, his, gets a cat busted in him. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to hear us ponder over whether he's guilty or not, Actually, listen to the episode. Yeah, it's it's a great episode. It has a like a super good twist ending that you now already know, and I'm sorry for that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> go listen to it, or go yeah, go check it out anyways. Well, and so of course this would kind of put the Valentino's career in limbo because you know it was really being run by Sam Cooke, and so of course you know the best thing to do is marry his widow Barbara Campbell three months later. <laughs> Wait, I, that that actually did happen. I remember that from the other episode. <laughs> God damn it! Oh, it gets so much more. Oh yeah, West, West Virginia redneck coming up soon. Too. Oh no, no, slam it on me, Daddy O. It's a little ways ahead. Oh God damn it! But yeah, this really like made him look terrible in the R and B soul community. Like, many people viewed him as a shady opportunist looking to cash in on Cook's legacy, you know. According to Womack, though, he was initially motivated to look after Campbell in an unstable time, not to tarnish the memory of a beloved mentor. Aww. So, but, I mean, they had to have been doing drugs. If they weren't sleeping together before this, they had to have, like... Yeah, they they had built some sort of weird intimate relationship, even if they weren't already sleeping together. Three months. It's yeah. just like, okay, I'll help you out. Three months later, they're married. Like, yeah. No, no, exactly. That's so fucking quick. You, you don't necessarily have to be having sex to be doing that, like, mental cheating thing. You know, it's it's so common, like, especially for people who, like, want to be cheaters but don't actually do it. They do that, like, 
you know, I'm going to get just as close to somebody as a boyfriend, girlfriend, but we won't do that sort of situation. I have a feeling that's kind of probably what was going on there. And so, you know, with this sweet career move, he could not get his solo career going. Oh. <laughs> he was kind of blackballed, for, especially from, like, the L.A. area. Yeah, I mean, it, that is that is pretty uh, pretty sus, as the kids are saying. I'm so glad you bring me the new lingo nowadays. Yep. I'm such an old fart, I guess. Yeah. Curmudgeon is a better word. Yeah, I'm an old curmudgeon. You're a, you're a whopping year older than me. Well... I act a lot older than you, Pat. (laughs) 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 Okay, Ian. Can't teach me nothing about no damn kids. Yeah, yeah. Tell me more about your story, Grandpa. (laughs) But he would end up releasing some singles for Chess called I Found True Love and Nothing You Can Do. Some good jams. And they were avoided like the plague. Yep. The Valentinos, you know, would cut a couple of singles for Chest. What About Me? Sweeter Than the Day Before. You know, also pretty much like The Plague. Also, nobody gave a fuck. (laughs) Which brings me to my next dude. Check out this song. Highest point in his career right now. Sleeping with his mentor's (laughs) wife. Yeah. (laughs) Dude, check out this infidelity. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we'll do... Bobby Womack's song, I Found True Love, and then the Valentino's Sweeter Than the Day Before. All great songs to get down with. Hell yeah. And so, of course, with his career totally blasting off to the moon, he needed to make ends meet, so he became a backing guitarist. His first job was with Ray Charles. That's actually uh, a good start. (laughs) That's a great start. Everybody's blackballing me, but I can be this guy back over here behind the piano playing guitar. Yeah, you can't blackball (laughs) Ray Charles, you (laughs) bastards. He can't even see a ball. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God damn, Ian. I know. You're just taking shots at the blind man today. Well, I wear glasses, you know. I got (laughs) to get a step up on someone. That's not the same. (laughs) I mean, you are missing one sense, so he is. As well, you guys are you guys are the four cents gang, <laughs> bros. You know yeah. we're just just trying to keep it real. <laughs> I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but Ian fell. We uh, definitely have. <laughs> Ian fell during a skateboarding accident and lost his sense of smell. And ever since, uh, he smelled slightly weird, but I just don't tell him. My girlfriend likes the way I smell. Yeah, well, you're, no, I'm not. Gonna she make, buys my soap. I'm not going to make that joke. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't met your girlfriend in person yet, and I hear that she listens to podcasts. I don't want to be throwing any shade her way quite yet. (laughs) He would also, you know, book like a ton of studio time, you know, just be a guitarist in the studio in like Memphis, Alabama, you know, wherever he could get work. Yeah. And, you know, he would appear on recordings by Joe Tex, King Curtis, Aretha Franklin. Oh, that's that's some credentials right there. Yeah. He'd also record singles for Keeman and Atlantic without success, of course. But he did become one of Wilson Pickett's favorite songwriters. If you don't know who he is, you know, another soul singer. So he actually wrote, like, a bunch of this guy's songs. Hell yeah, man. That's like, fucking awesome. Yeah, he would write top ten hits, I'm in love, and I'm a midnight mover. And he'd, like, write 15 other songs for him. I'm a midnight mover is is legitimately good. Yeah. It really is an awesome song. And so, you know, 
all this work behind the scenes kind of help him dig himself out of the doghouse, you know? Everybody's got a short memory anyway, and he's doing good work, so time to do a solo album. <laughs> Hell yeah. Problem is, Kenna gave Pickett his best songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll happen. So, you know, he would write some stuff, like his first single charting song on his solo career was What Is This? But, you know, he would do some actually pretty creative covers. Like, he'd do a cover of Fly Me to the Moon, California Dreamin', and I Left My Heart in San Francisco. The last two would actually reach the R&B Top 20. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, and these are actually, like, soul versions of these songs, you know? Like, obviously, Fly Me to the Moon was done by a crooner, you know, Frank... uh, Almost said Frank Zappa. <laughs> Frank Frank Zap Zapnatra. Zapnatra. <laughs> uh, Frank uh, Frank Sinatra. But I mean, he. There's a difference between crooners and soul singers, man. Oh like, yeah, I feel like there's a vast difference. Even though like there's a lot of similarities, if you look at it on paper, there's also like six hundred thousand miles between the two of them. Well, like crooners are kind of like missing something it's hard to put my finger on but something like soul or something yeah. crooners <laughs> sound disingenuous they, they really they do. sound like charlatans trying to sell me snake oil and it makes me mad even though i like i genuinely think the music is impressive and i genuinely like like the the components of the music i like the the big band style like instrumentation and i like those i like it I was like dinner theater style vocals. I, you know what I mean? Like, they, right? I, I can't even put, but I don't know. All all put together, it's soul, still soul not singers. Quite. Just they have so much more soul in their music. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh Ian. did the, you finally catch le- my soul joke? Legendary commentary from Ian over here. Well, I mean, there's probably a reason why it's called soul. Okay. <laughs> oh. <Ugh>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're you're hurting my soul. As I cross my arms while I'm pouting over here. <laughs> yeah, will you please just continue the story, Ian? <laughs> the, these people don't come here to listen to you pout. <laughs> they do now. But he would end up, you know, actually recording some hits, you know, getting on the charts with songs like It's Gonna Rain, How I Miss You Baby, More Than I Can Stand. You know, and this was over like a two-year period between 1969 and 1970. Also in 1970, his marriage to Barbara ends abruptly when she found him in bed with her teenage daughter. Shock, I know if you've listened to the uh, Sam Cooke episode. (laughs) (laughs) But I did find that I'm pretty sure she was 17 at the time. That doesn't make it better, Ian. I was trying to make it worse. <laughs> that doesn't make it any better. The teenage daughter, Ian, god damn it. What the fuck? <laughs> we are going to have to dust off the asshole spotlight, bro. We haven't used that in like 10 episodes. Will you want to hear what he has to say about no, it? No, but of course. But no, but yes, please tell me. <laughs> I don't care what he has to say, but I'm interested in hearing it in the, in retrospect. He said, I'm lying there kissing Linda, and the light comes on. You dirty fucking bastard. What are you doing with my daughter? It was Barbara. And apparently, this is something that wasn't in the Sam Cooke episode. She went in, grabbed a 32, 
loaded it and started shooting at him. Oh, shit. <laughs> he would run away, but she would graze him in the temple. Oh, so she almost put one in his <laughs> She dome. was shooting to kill. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not trying to put your ass on the ground. She was, she was looking for the kill shot. And so it was after this event that Linda would marry Bobby's younger brother, Cecil. <laughs> God damn these people. Was it like a month later? Maybe two. <laughs> I don't know the exact date, but, you know, it's seriously West Virginia redneck right yeah, here. What is going on, people? <laughs> Bobby Womack's quote on this whole situation. That was all really fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Starting from when you married her, dude. Yeah, bro. I feel that's all really fucked up. I agree. But do you know what's not fucked up? Our next dude, check out this song. Oh, yeah. It's called Sleeping With My Girlfriend's Daughter. (laughs) That's actually the first song on the list. How'd you know? Yeah, I don't. I, I, I looked at your notes. Oh, I'm sleeping with my girlfriend's daughter. <laughs> Something I like that. I swear to God, she's not 17 years old. She told me she was 18. We are the worst <laughs> soul singers. I'm pretty, I know. I'm pretty sure we were doing that to like the melody of like 90s grunge <laughs> music. We're crooning. <laughs> yeah, we're crooners. Everybody uh, come back every fucking Monday to hear us croon. Let me, let me snap while I'm doing that. Sleeping with my wife's daughter. She told me she was 18. Now, now you're singing like, Ian, people don't come here for this. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not this one. <laughs> so let's get to some real good singers. I'm in love. I'm a midnight mover. Both these songs are actually the Bobby Womack versions, not the picket versions, because Bobby Womack just does it. Oh, so much better. Yeah, for sure. 100%. What is this? And then we got California Dreamin', which he does a really awesome version of this song. Yeah, Honestly, this is, like this is the California Dreamin' that you're thinking of out there, too. Yeah. yeah. So it's, but it's, a, it's such an interesting cover because it's not even to like the, even the rhythm of the original version. So it's all like, if you, if you listen to the bass line at the beginning, it definitely starts off somewhat like that but like slower yeah it's like same keys uh or at least the same like uh pattern if yeah. it's not in the same key but it's like yeah it's definitely the same intervals but it's interesting because he just he does so much more with it than anybody else who's ever covered it and god knows i've heard like a million punk band covers of this <laughs> And then we got the song more than i can stand oh yeah which is also more than i can stand <laughs> Wait, you didn't like the song? <laughs> no, that's uh, I well, wasn't implying that. I was just trying to use that as a pun. <laughs> wow, wow. Uh, I'll scratch that one off the list. Yeah, Pat you... says, "Don't check out that song." <laughs> Uncheck. And so Bobby Womack would actually end up moving back to Los Angeles after this. You know, finally invited back, making hits, singing songs. Doing lots of drugs. <laughs> Yay, drugs. <laughs> and so, you know, he'd be part of the Laurel Canyon scene, which was, you know, all the fucking celebrities just going way too crazy on everything. Nice. Have Keith Richards, Arthur Lee, you know, Frank Zappa would come in and out, but I don't think he was partying too much. <laughs> he actually was seen on stage with John Lennon at a Donny Hathaway gig. 
<laughs> Not sure who that is, but apparently they would argue over who got to play guitar. Wow. <laughs> That's an argument I'd like to be a fly on the wall for. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Bobby Womack's probably a better guitar player than John Lennon. Uh, easily. John Lennon could follow the chords, but Bobby Womack could do some soulful leads. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's even disputed. I think, uh, never mind. I'm not going to finish that sentence just in case we have Beatles fans out there. I know we got we got a bunch of listens in Britain this week, so uh, I'm not trying to <laughs> not trying to start any fires. I don't know. Maybe the Beatles are like Nirvana to us. We're just like stop fucking talking about Nirvana. We get it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? I'm I'm treading on the safe side of the ice this time, boys. <laughs> well, to quote Bobby Womack on this time period in his life, he'd say, "I'll never forget when Woody." He's talking about Ron Wood. Brought Keith Moon up to my place. Moon jumps on the top of my couch and starts running all over it in the counter. He fell on the floor and started pouring water all over himself. He was just crazy. But when I saw him play, I knew that was the place where he could be himself. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're if he just shows up to your house and like runs across the counter and pours water on himself, I think he's gonna be all right on stage, at least for present. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like he was made to be that crazy stage act. He's just like, I don't know what else to do with yeah. my life. <laughs> Watch as I writhe around on the ground. LA woman, LA woman. It's like the three stooges, but it's called the three guitarists. Yeah, exactly. The, the, three, the three stage shows. <laughs> three stage idiots. I don't know. But apparently he would also become really good friends with Janis Joplin. Nice, nice. So he definitely has a headstone. Oh, yeah. And he would actually work in the studio with her on her last album, Pearl. Oh, really? Yeah. Is he on that album? Yeah, he's he's actually playing on that album. That's fucking cool. And apparently the song written by her Mercedes was actually inspired by his car, which I would assume was a Mercedes-Benz. Seems reasonable. Well, her song Mercedes-Benz, sorry. Bobby Womack was also with her on the last night of her life. He said she declined his offer of cocaine and told him to leave when her heroin dealer showed up. Oh, shit. That, I, I actually don't know. Is that how she died? An overdose? Yeah, it is. Jesus fucking Christ. Well, that is just... that. That's something else right there. That's a... Yeah, dude, think about that. He was at her house. He was doing coke. I don't know. They were probably sitting around chatting, having a good time. She goes, oh, hey, my dealer's here. You got to go now. Get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do heroin Wake, in the dark now. Yeah. Wakes up. Well, he probably was still up all night, but, you know, goes out <laughs> to see one of his friends. <laughs> I was like, dude, Janis Joplin died last night. Yeah, that's 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 something you carry with you forever. That's fucked up. I don't know. But yeah, drugs were definitely becoming a part of his life in this period. Yeah. He'd say, I was really off into the drugs, blowing as much coke as I could blow, and drinking, and smoking weed, and taking pills, doing that all day, staying up seven, eight days. Me and Sly, he's talking about Sly Stone, were running partners. He didn't think about making music. He had a genuine partner. He said... I don't feel like I'm goofing off because Bobby Womack's doing it. <laughs> oh, shit. So he was the enabler. Pretty much. That's fucked for up, Sly bro. Stowe and For Sly Stone, and that's 
probably someone we got to put in the beat boot machine too. Yeah, we should do that. Honestly, we should probably just throw Janice in there. We haven't actually put her on the list yet. No, we haven't. Yeah, maybe we'll do that for a for like a celebratory episode or something, like we did with the Bob Dylan. But you know, even during this time, he would still be recording. He'd make albums including Communication, Understanding, and The Gorgeous. But also in 1972, he would make the soundtrack to a black exploitation movie across 110th Street, which the title track for the soundtrack, fucking amazing. Yeah. And, and you I, all probably know it from a, actually a Quentin Tarantino movie, not from that movie. Which I did mention in the uh, Sam Cooke episode. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's one of those amazing songs. And honestly, it makes me want to watch Jackie Brown every time. But Across 110th Street is... It's a hype track. Yeah, written specifically for this film, which Quentin Tarantino probably saw knowing him because he's a movie fan, heard the song, stayed in his mind forever, and then when he wrote Jackie Brown, goes, I know the opening song. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's exactly how it goes. He probably saw the uh, the movie across 110th Street years before and just was like, yep, that's a, that's a soundtrack song right there. <laughs> but yeah, he ended up getting... A ton of hits around this time with songs like That's the Way I Feel About Cha, C-H-A. <laughs> I tried to, you know, phonetically pronounce that correctly. Good boy. Woman's Gotta Have It, Harry Hippie, which was actually a song written about his younger brother, who I guess was just, you know, a free spirit. Yeah, honestly, that uh, that track was good, but if you listen to the lyrics, it kind of sounds like he's talking trash about hippies the whole time. Like, you ain't ever going to do nothing. You just slide through life kind of situation. <laughs> I didn't listen to all of it, so I might have misinterpreted it, but it didn't seem very, uh, very good about hippies. Well, and that brings me to my next dude check out the song, which is Harry Hippie and Across 110th Street. And both jams are really good, despite yeah. what I just said about Harry Hippie. And honestly, we were talking about this earlier. Across 110th Street, my favorite song he's ever done, honestly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily 100% the best song that he's ever done. And it is not just the best song he's ever done, but I would say up there in the top echelon of songs. Oh, yeah. Like, that is, it's, this it's is an like a really song. great soul song, too. Like, this is like, you know up there with James Brown and stuff like that. Yep. Well, you know, we talked about his lifestyle around the time, you know, he's partying a lot, but his brother, Harry would end up getting murdered by a jealous girlfriend in 1974. Oh, holy shit. In Bobby's own apartment. <laughs> Dude, this guy's cursed. This guy is 100% straight up cursed. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you imagine walking home to that? Like, no, no, not at all. That's fucking terrible. It's like a scene. Like, I'm just picturing like a scene from a movie. That's how unrealistic it is. Yeah, for me. You, you literally can't fathom what it's really like in real life for that to happen. You can only judge it in like a movie aspect, which does not do it. People out there. If you're thinking like a movie scene where you're going to like drop to the knees and feel really sad and like have a sad cry. No, it's going to be fucking horrific and you are going to be fucked up for the rest of your life. It's not like a movie. And, you know, of course, this would increase his drug usage. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I completely believe it would. He'd keep recording, you know, doing other shit. But, you know, what's the best thing to do when you're down in the dups, you know. Brother gets shot, you know, doing lots of drugs, need to 
make your life better. What's the best way to do that? Drugs. No, no, no. We covered the drugs. Marry a hooker in Vegas. Well, he did get married, actually. Oh. You called it. <laughs> hell yeah. I don't know if she was a hooker in Vegas, but her name was Regina Banks. Oh, hell yeah. Well, I mean, that sound, sounds like a hooker's name. I don't know. That doesn't really, but I'm sorry any Regina Banks is out there. Your names don't sound like hooker names. They would end up having three kids, too. First kid, Truth Bobby. <laughs> At least he's not trust of, or trustful. And then another son named Bobby Truth. <laughs> Go ahead, continue. And then, you know, a daughter named Gina. Oh, okay. So they decided on the third one, they're just going to name her directly after mom. And then not, <laughs> we're not going to fuck this one up, Bobby Truth or Truth Bobby. Yeah. Could you imagine getting born and then like a few years later, you start to understand the concept of names and you start like understanding what names are. And then you're like, this is my brother, Bobby Truth. I'm Truth Bobby. Well... Unfortunately, Truth Bobby would die at four months old. Oh, well, that's really fucked up. God damn it. Why did you why do you let me do stuff like this? I you, don't know. You like to watch me burn, Ian. I do. I really <laughs> You're do. such a son of a bitch. <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'll do that tonight. Oh. Anyways. So, you know how I mentioned Early in the episode, you know, Bobby Womack could play anything, and country was mentioned on that list. Yeah, yeah. He was actually a big fan of country, so he'd end up pushing United Artists into letting him do a full album of country music. Hell yeah, psychopath weirdo. (laughs) People really didn't like this idea. They thought it was, you know, not commercially viable. Yeah, black guy doing country usually doesn't do very well. Well, especially in this area, but, you know, he had a title for the album. Oh, no. And it was reportedly called Step Aside, Charlie Pride, Give Another N-Word a Try. (laughs) Dude, he's on drugs. Dude's so (laughs) fucked up on drugs, and he thinks that's a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, like, I saw this, and it was just like... (laughs) And if... Nobody can see it. My mouth just dropped to the yeah, floor. That, that, Ian likes to do the facial mimics and be like, and then I did this, and then just, there's just silence on the mic. Well, this would eventually get released under the title BW Go CNW. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite the same uh, panache, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> stuck into the gimmick and just didn't actually make any real country western music just made about how black he was and that it's country western <laughs> music but you know after this catastrophe of an album he would actually release you know what would be what what some people would consider his greatest album it was released in the 80s i'm not like too big on like 80s soul unless you're talking michael jackson because you know like michael jackson took what they did best and then made it better you know i mean Honestly, like, in terms of pop music, yay, Michael, in terms of his uh, life, eh, we don't need to talk about that. Today I learned that Ian likes Michael Jackson music. Oh, the the album Thriller has gotten me laid a few times. Own it on vinyl. (laughs) God damn it. 
Would you move forward, Ian? <laughs> are you at the end of your list and just trying to extend our runtime? Because you are dawdling harder than I've ever seen you dawdle before. I'm just having fun. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to hear about your sex life. <laughs> yes, but my ego wants me to announce it. <laughs> And so this album would be called The Poet. This album would actually make the top of uh, the top 10 on the Billboard Soul chart, top 30 on the pop charts. It had the single If You Think You're Lonely, it peak at 20. And I'll throw that on the do check out this song. Not my style. Don't really like this era of soul, but it's worth checking out because, you know, people really love it. Yeah, and we'll we'll put it on there for record keeping sake no matter what. And so, you know, we go in and Start recording his next album, The Poet 2. But another one of his brothers, I couldn't actually find the name, would be shot to death. Oh, my God. Do you think this has anything to do with friendly cursing them to damnation? Probably. Probably. <laughs> friendly probably actually put a curse on them. And I, that's so fucked up. Like, when I got to this, you know, he's he's had a son die couple of brothers want to get murdered like something's going on here or There's they're a just curse. or they're just a bunch of psycho hillbillies who are doing hillbilly shit and <laughs> in hillbilly trouble and so yeah the same year his brother got shot he'd actually end up releasing the poet and it would actually do better i think the songs are worse i don't know maybe i'm a Tough judge on soul music. I don't no, know. They, this era, they just they they saw stuff through cocaine glasses. They thought stuff was good when it wasn't. It, it is the eighties. Yeah, no, <laughs> I know. Eighties is just not not a thing. In nineteen eighty six, another one of his sons named Vincent, not from this marriage, would commit suicide at the age of twenty one. Okay, that's more tragedy. Cool. Yeah, more. Yeah, that's, a, that's a whole <laughs> bunch of tragedy. I, I don't. Okay. Yeah, I mean, well, it's got to be mentioned, right? Terrible thing that happened. 1986, he'd also end up doing a duet with Mick Jagger called The Harlem Shuffle. Probably one of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds really fucking stupid. (laughs) Let me put it this way. It's a 1986 Rolling Stones song. Fucking terrible. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know, that sounds really bad. He'd have more releases, So Many Rivers, Save the Children, you know, go through the 90s, keep touring. You know, he'd actually start opening up about his drug abuse and, you know, all of his friends and sons that he has lost over the years and brothers and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, he would, you know, say that he would try and put, you know, their memory in his music. He'd say, in my music, I've tried to tell the truth. I've never been afraid to do so because the truth never dies. It lives beyond the person. Look, I'm not ashamed to tell you I was hooked on drugs. Everybody around me always used to tell me not to talk about it, but it's the truth. Man, I'll tell you. I'm just glad to even be here today talking to you about it. It could have easily been me up there on that night shift with Marvin Gaye. Damn. So, you know, he knows he kind of squeaked out of an early death. Yeah. But by the early 2000s, I'm sure this lifestyle caught up to him. He, You know, he'd have a bunch of health problems. Diabetes, Alzheimer's, cancer. And, you know, being sick is expensive. He'd say, I got to get back on the road. I'm broke. In 2009, he'd actually end up being inducted into the Hall of Fame, 
while he was still alive. That's pretty rare. He would, in his acceptance speech, he would remember playing guitar for Sam Cooke, and he'd cite Sam Cooke's civil rights anthem, A Change Is Gonna Come, and he would address his dear friend on stage and say, Sam, we have our first black president. Oh, yeah. In 2010, he'd also play on the Gorillaz album, Plastic Beach. I didn't know about that. I don't actually know if I've heard that album. I'm not a huge Gorillaz fan, but... Is that, anybody? That's, that's pretty modern. I don't know. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> he would end up releasing his last album in 2012, The Bravest Man in the Universe. You know, it was really kind of like electronic-y, you know, with him singing over it, trying to go for that modern feel, right? Yeah, he probably. if it's 2012, he probably auto-tuned himself. <laughs> <laughs> On July 27, 2014, he'd end up dying in his home in Tarzana, California, you know, succumbing to... His illnesses. I don't think it was just one. I think it was kind of a combination of everything. Yeah. Your body just kind of gives out at some point. Yeah. With diabetes, Alzheimer's, and cancer, it's just like at some point your body can't fight anymore. Yeah. I mean, with yeah, all of those combined, you're pretty much lost in multiple ways. Yeah, and he was cremated. His ashes were interred at the Forest Lawn Memorial Park Cemetery in Glendale, California. Well, and that's the the life of Bobby Womack. Um, I gotta say, like, this guy kind of sounds cursed. This guy did, did not I, have a good life. I really general. do think his dad kind of uh, cursed him in a way. <laughs> this is not a this is not a supernatural podcast in any way, but that dude's dad totally cursed his entire life. <laughs> well, and he didn't help himself by marrying Sam Cook's wife three months after he got shot to death. Yeah, no, I don't know. There's just something so weird about all of it. I, I at at some point I couldn't help but just start shaking my head at all of the things. You know what I mean? Like, I, there's a there's a certain point during all of this story like something's weird and i don't i don't like it and i it might just be that they're all super hillbilly redneck you know making mistakes and doing making stupid decisions and right. getting themselves in trouble all the time or it, or on the other end it might literally be you know you know death curse because they didn't keep singing gospel <laughs> <laughs> And honestly, like, that is going to be the entirety of my last thoughts, because I don't think I have any other last thoughts on this whole subject besides just, what the fuck? I felt like I was in, like, I don't know, like, a deer in headlights during this episode, because it was just, like, he made some Who music. Who dies next? He made some music, <laughs> and then shitty shit happened to him. The like. <laughs> <laughs> there was not even like a story arc there's no build up to a climax it's just like it's like a snuff film for the whole life <laughs> anybody who gets near him dun 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 i don't know honestly i guess my last thoughts are you know if you do something stupid like marrying your mentor's wife three months after he dies and you still want to you know make a living playing music keep going at it maybe you can't take the spotlight role you thought you could right away but you know Endure. Yeah, yeah, you know, just keep on pushing. No matter how much of a piece of shit you are, you could probably still be famous in Hollywood. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to put a positive spin on this. Okay, Pat. Thanks. <laughs> if you want to put a positive spin on this podcast, you should definitely do the only thing that's important is give us a whole bunch of stars in some social places. Uh, tell your friends to listen to us. You know, check out the Spotify. Yeah, check out the Spotify for sure. Uh, and, and most of all, remember that I love you and Ian loves you. 
And uh, as much love as I'm capable of giving. Yep. And we have a little uh, secret project we're working on right now, and we're going to make a uh, announcement about it probably around the episode 50 mark. So uh, mark your calendars if you need to do that, or just keep listening like you always do. Oh, yeah. And to our first Australian listeners this week, uh, hello on down, down under. Put another shrimp on the bobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've actually never had any Australian listeners ever. And we have, I think, three or four brand new listeners this oh, week. Oh, wow. So, yeah, all at, all at once. So I guess I guess we got a surprising uh, reaction down under. I, keep, I just like to say down under. <laughs> I... I can't do an Australian accent, but know that I'm also making fun of you guys in my head while also <laughs> sending out lots of love. <laughs> Either way, good night.